The Up With The Bonnets podcast is brought to you by Hilltown Electrical. Hilltown Electrical deals with both domestic and commercial jobs. You can find them on Facebook or by contacting them on 07793 847 390. On episode 60 of the Up With The Bonnets podcast, we'll talk over Dundee's first win of the season against the Jam Taps at Dens Park as a Luke McCowan goal gives Dundee the win. Dundee are still making signings, we made trois last week so we'll talk about them. And then we move on to Saturday's game at McDermott Park as we take on St Johnson in a huge game. And we'll end the show with questions from the fans. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Up With The Bonnets podcast. I'm your host Daniel Smith. My regular co-host Paul Gray is not with us this week, but we have called in a substitution. It's the man who started the Dundee podcast with the Walking Down the Pro Road podcast. He gave it up though, and he now exclusively is with the Terrace podcast. It is, of course, Mr Gary Cocker. I, oh well, uh, as we're no doubt going to come to it, I am feeling fantastic today, Danny. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's good to be going back to, well, te- technically I did the terrace before I did Walking Down the Profit Road, but it's good to be going back to just being as biased, prejudiced and petty as I want to be, uh, which is 100% what we're going to be doing tonight. And it's always better to be like this after a win. Absolutely. Um, I will say, uh, for those of you who don't listen to the terrace, there's a lot of Hearts fans um, that uh, take part in the podcast. So I've had a lot of fun on WhatsApp today. Um, bizarrely, they all seem to have lost signal. Um, I'm guessing they're just not checking their phones because they're driving home uh, with tears coming down their eyes. But no, it's um, it's been a really, really fun afternoon uh, following our 1-0 victory to get the season up and running, Danny. Uh, the, the thing with the Terrace podcast, I always thought to myself, quite a lot of jambos on that. And uh, I've always had to be shaking the head going, you've got to mix it up a wee bit. But tonight, it's a case of there's plenty of jambos in there. Oh, yes. Uh, and I have I've been stirring it. It's been it's actually been a really, really crap weekend all around uh, for the capital side because um, there's a couple of hippies in it as well. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a good day to be a D, Danny, which is something that we've not been able to say too often. Uh, at any point when we've been doing podcasts, um, obviously when we were doing walking down the Provy Road, that was the, um, that was the McIntyre era. Briefly. Oh, that that was in there. Yes, um, yeah, uh, McIntyre era. We had the um, the dark and light days uh, of McPake as well, uh, and everything in between. Um, but no, it's uh, it's nice to be speaking about strangely a competent professional-looking Dundee side that seemed to be giving us all quite a lot of hope for just a, a season that's not going to put too much uh, strain on the old blood pressure. Yeah, it, it's it's a weird one with a newly promoted side, but so far we have, haven't looked out of place, really, in this league. And today was just another example of this. The only thing different today was... Also, we changed our formation and a few players uh, brought into the squad, but it was that we basically played the, the full 90 minutes compared to the other games where we maybe never kick-started until the, the second half or, you know, just after the second half. It was just a full 90-minute game from Dundee. Uh, I think Tony Doherty mentioned that in his uh, interview. Yeah. It, is, uh, it, it was great to see. It was, a, it was a great match. If you were neutral, there was only one goal in it, but still it was a good match. Uh, both 
teams had their chances, had their moments, but overall, it was they just felt like it was always going to be a Dundee victory, especially when we got that goal. We had the ball in the net three times, Danny. Um, it's ridiculous. This is the the Hearts Football Association at it again. Um, no, but uh, on on a serious note, though, it, I think at the start of the week I was looking at this fixture and thinking, right, Hearts have played in midweek. Uh, at Tyne Castle, you know, we are the afterthought ultimately because what Hearts are looking to do, especially given that they're only one goal down and going to Greece, you know, their players, whether they'll admit it or not, they will. They would be thinking, I don't want to pick up a daft injury here. I don't want to, you know, make a mistake. So they're going to maybe be that little bit more cautious. They're going to be a little bit more tired than we are. Obviously, we had the week off uh, last week as well after we very sensibly decided that the last 16 of uh, the League Cup wasn't for us. Uh, It was definitely our decision, no one else's. (laughs) And so I was looking at this fixture thinking, this is one that we we should be earmarking this for a win because we're coming up against a tired, distracted side that we've actually got a pretty decent record against at home. And ultimately, if you start to go, ah, but it's hearts, then you're going, well, you'd be saying that about... Aberdeen, you'd be saying that about Hibs, even about teams like Motherwell or Killy. And then it's like, well, where do you think Dundee are actually going to be picking up points? You know, so this had to be, this was a fixture that for me, before the game started, I thought it, it's a must-win game for us. Um, and uh, thankfully, uh, the, the side agreed with me uh, and decided to do something about that. Um, and yeah, you have to say, as as you've already said, uh, Tony Dockery said, afterwards, I think it was a 45-minute performance and a 60-minute performance, but this was a 90-minute performance. Uh, and I'm sure we'll go through individual players and what they contributed as well. But it was just hard then to see Dundee just really shut up shop. And obviously Hearts had their chances, they're always going to. But there was never a point after we went 1-0 up, other than that mad pinball at the very end of the game, where I was shitting myself, um, which again, is an unusual feeling. So I'm just trying to get used to all of this positivity. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh... Hearts, you mentioned they're on the European Cup run. They've got one eye and the tie across in Greece this week. And they, you've seen five changes to their team. Uh, players that, if there was no European tie, would have been probably on. Not saying it was a weakened team done they came up against. They've got good depth in their squad. Uh, they've obviously they've probably doubled the budget, treble the budget maybe Dundee have got. So they've got good players all over the, the place. We, of course, made three different changes as well. Kerr, Robertson and Tiffany all in. Uh, I think it was the first starts as well for Cami Kerr and Finlay Robertson. So it was a change. We went four at the back as well. We've moved away from the three at the back. We went four at the back. And um, we, I, I thought it worked. I know he's been trying to play the three at the back and on spells it's looked good, but we've been caught out, I think, too often with you know high balls over. Um We've changed it as well. McGee went into the middle for Ashcroft. So uh, uh, the, the defence was totally, oh, not totally different, but it was uh, different to what, what we've been seeing. Um, but it worked. And it worked fantastic for Dundee, the change in personnel, the players that came yeah. in. I thought Tiffany took a little bit, a, a little bit while to get going, but when he did... He was fantastic, you know, he was creating problems, him and uh, McEwen linking up really well. Uh, Finlay Robertson, I mean, I think a lot of people might be thinking, why is he in the Saturn 11? We didn't see that one coming. That's not saying anything about Finlay Robertson. He's had a great pre-season and uh, when he's played for, for us, uh, we spoke about it in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, saying that he's a boy who is kind of like a, a wee redemption arc happening with him. He's kind of a better player yeah. now. 
but I was still surprised to see him in. And me, he never looked at a place either. No. And I think it's really important to pick up on Finlay Robertson because he's a player that we've seen go out on loan to Cove Rangers. You know, there's been a couple of managers who clearly haven't fancied him uh, in, in whatever way, shape or form or haven't really known what to do with him or have had other preferences. Um, and I think there was one game where he got, what was it, four assists in a friendly, something mad like that. Um, and I think that Docker is using him in a slightly different way. Uh, I think when he first came through under McPake, he was being used almost as that, almost Sean Byrne style, like sitting, holding midfielder. And now he's a little bit more all action. He's been given license to drift out wide if he wants. So he's been given license to push forward. Um, you know, he's, he's clipping some tremendous balls forward as well. And I think that he's definitely somebody who's really grasped the chance of a new manager um, coming in. And it's really interesting to me to see all of the young boys because, you know, there's there's several of them, obviously, you know, there's as well as Billy Robertson, you've got uh, Josh Mulligan, you've got Max Anderson, um, you've got Lyle Cameron. Um, have I already said Josh Mulligan? I think I have, um, but I love him so much I'm going to say him twice. But it's really interesting just to see them almost like jockeying for position uh, at different times and um, because they all play... It's not the same game at all, obviously, but they're all in contention in that sort of middle area. Uh, and it's just really heartening to see that Finley Robertson's pushed his way forwards into that. Um, but I do, I, you mentioned the formation as well. And I think the fact that we were all watching that back three and we were seeing teams, okay, Motherwell and St. Mirren, but we saw them both target that gap between Ashcroft and Beck. And it was a clear weak spot for us. Uh, and it's hats off to Tony Docker for actually recognising that and doing something about it because I think we've had managers in the past who've maybe been too proud or too rigid to move from a particular system or they've had the players that they want to start and that's it but you see that Docker is not precious about that and he will chop and change things around a little bit um, and I think it's it's just what's needed at the moment obviously we've probably come on to the fact that we've signed Ricky Lamy um, and there's a few other players coming in uh, as well but I think with the personnel that were available and match ready and had been in the squad for long enough, this was the sensible thing to do. It was essentially matching uh, hearts for the most part, um, man for man in, in the same formation and for the entirety, essentially, of the first half, we more than matched them. Uh, we played hearts off the park and that was in no small part down to the fact that hearts looked ponderous. You know, they were doing that thing that I used to, hate and we did it so much under Hartley of just that playing it side to side you know so the yeah. second halves would have it um, you know it would be sloppy passing and then they put it to left back or right back and then we'd be in trouble and it'd be going back to the keeper and then it'd get launched and then boom we've lost it and that was Hearts in the first half it was great to watch uh, it happened to someone else and not us um, but we I think the fear I had was that similar to Motherwell and St Mirren we weren't taking our chances. Um, and I just had this fear that it, I could almost see Hearts getting a soft penalty, Shanklin scoring it, that being that. And then we're on one point from three games and we've got St. Johnson up next. And then following that, it's Celtic, which despite what happened between Celtic and St. Johnson, you still feel like, well, you almost write it off in your head. You think, well, we're not going to get anything out of that game. Um, so yeah, uh, the fact that we were able to whether the storm at the start of the second half after Hearts made that triple change was huge for us. Uh, and I think, again, it just goes back to what I've said already a couple of times, which is just that competency, professionalism. 
you know, doing the tasks that we're supposed to do and just nothing stupid. Um, because nothing stupid has probably not been Dundee's motto <laughs> ever in my lifetime. Um, but it's, it's nice to see it being used a little bit now. Yeah, and you, you mentioned the, the first half, Hearts playing between the centre-backs, the keeper, and not getting very far. I think that kind of like shows you that what Dundee were doing it correct because they weren't giving them any space at all. They were just hounding the player. Even if they didn't have to put a tackle in, they were stopping them making space. They were stopping them looking at playing a ball in. They were just doing everything correct without the ball. I know yeah. sometimes fans could, and I've never seen it at the game here, but fans can get a little bit fickle and they hate the fact that a team is having a bulk of the possession because they think they're going to score. But you never thought that with Dundee. It just seemed like no. we've got them in control. They can keep the ball as long as they want you know, mm-hmm. they are not getting past. And, and they never. Uh, Dundee had the, the better of the first half. A uh, couple of shots, you know. Uh, there was nothing really to, uh, much to speak about until later on. And obviously, one of the main points was uh, the, the the goal that was chopped off. Yeah. Um, and it was it was rightfully chopped off. I mean, obviously, the, the difficulty with VAR... Uh, and to be fair, even if it wasn't VAR, the difficulty is that for fans in the stadium, they're not really sure why it's been chalked off because all they see is that um, McGee's poked it in the net. But you could quite clearly see uh, when you see the footage that uh, Robinson is offside. Even if the ball doesn't touch him, I think that VAR would say it's offside because he's interfering with play because he's standing in front of the keeper. I think that's a mad rule, but it's a rule. And so they would have chalked off for that anyway, I think. But it did also take a, a telling uh, nick off him as well. And that was just enough for it to sneak past uh, Xander Clark. And I think it was dealt with pretty quickly. Uh, but it was pretty obvious to me um, when you look at the replay, no, that's that's not going to stand. Um, and it would have been probably deserved at the time because, as you say, Hearts were doing nothing. Like, we were happy to let them have the ball. Uh, Frankie Kent um, could not pick out a pass to save his life. Stephen Kingsley was just getting bullied um, down Hearts' left and our right-hand side as well. Um, the only thing that Hearts really had going for them was the boy, uh, Yutaro Oda, who is unbelievably fast. Um, you know, people have said to me before, he's really fast. And I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. But then it's it's like watching your TV buffering and all of a sudden, how's he got there? It's absolutely mad. Um, so their tactic seemed to be to, just to try and release him. Um, but they weren't able to do it because the midfield they had... It's not a midfield, and and we just totally controlled the um, the middle of the park in the first half. I mean, for me, Toby Civic is uh, he's a centre half. I don't I don't know what they were doing having him in the middle. Alex Lowry, who's on loan from Rangers, is as we saw in the at the start of the second half. I think once Hearts reorganised themselves and were able to make most of things a little bit more, um, is a neat and skillful player. But he, there wasn't really any dig. In the middle, um, and I, I usually hate that because dig just sounds like you're saying you need a hammer thrower in there. But they were just trying to bypass it straight from defence all the way up top. And uh, when you've got Joe Shaughnessy at the back, he's that's meat and potatoes. Him, fine, he'll deal with that uh, all day, every day. So it was. Uh, I think when we went in at half time, I was feeling both positive that I thought, well, we've outplayed Hearts here. We should be on top, but then I felt negative because I thought we should be one nil ahead, and I had the real fear. And when they made that triple substitution at halftime, I thought, "Oh shit, we're going to regret not making the most of this." Yeah, the the triple substitution that was Devlin, Boyson, Atkinson, and that was 
it did seem like right. This is them thrown on their their main main boys here to to link in with the the rest of the people that play. But before we speak about the the kind of period they went through, do you think maybe Hearts could have been down to ten men before half time with uh, with Oda? Yeah, I mean, I by the letter of the law, if you will, yes, um, because I think that. To me, it was it was a pretty clear dive. To me, it was an attempt to, and both he and Beck were, uh, both Oda and Beck were on yells at that point. So had Alan Muir given the penalty, it would have been Beck uh, getting sent off because that would have easily, uh, at the very least, been a yellow um, if he decided that that was contact. For me, I think the difficulty is that a ref is never going to look at that and think because of the speed that players are travelling at, even the slightest knock can and send them tumbling. So even though it, 100% with my dark blue glasses on, that's a yellow, that's a dive, get them off, disgraceful. At the same time, you know, that ref, and, and I'm, I'm not going to get into the uh, match officials too much because that seems to be the case every week. They're terrible. Um, but no, he, he was never going to give him a second yellow for that. It was one of those situations where I think the ref, we just want to pretend nothing ever happened and just move on with all of our lives. Yeah. Uh, there was there was a few boys around me. Also, it went to a VAR check for a potential penalty. And there was boys saying, well, if that's the case, there should be you should be booking them. But I think VAR, you can't am I right in saying you can't look for a booking? Is it only a serious foul leading to a red card? It's yes. So obviously it can look for the penalty, but it couldn't um it couldn't be used for simulation, if that makes mm. sense. Or the only way it could, I think, would be if the referee gave the penalty and then went to VAR and he checked it um, and then it was overturned. So I think in that case, so if Alan Muir had given it initially and then the VAR officials had said, you might want to look at that again, actually, um, then he could overturn it that way. Um, but but no, uh, it, it couldn't be used otherwise. It's, it is still an annoying system. I think the problem is that I mean, we're never going to get big screens at Dent um, and everything, but I think something that the league really should, and I think it is considering it, but I don't think it's considering it quickly enough, really, is just having a little bit more communication about it. So at the Women's World Cup, uh, I think whenever there was a VAR decision, the referee had, similar to, I think they've got it in rugby, but who watches rugby? Um, like, the referee can announce to the stadium what's going on. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's going to be sadly a very slow and gradual process to get VAR up and running. I think that generally speaking, the the shouts that did go, um, obviously I know I'm jumping ahead here again, but just while we're on the topic of VAR, there was a lengthy look at a potential penalty for handball for Hearts at the start of the second half. Uh, and basically the ball like came out of the sky and it landed on Luke McCarran's upper arm. Uh, I've seen them given. I don't think they should be, but I've seen them given. Um, but that was the only really lengthy uh, check that there was. Uh, other than that, the checks were pretty quick. And I think that in each case, they probably got it right as well. Um, but it's just, yeah, I think it, for fans in the stadium, the experience is terrible um, because you're just sitting. And uh, as with Lee Ashcroft against St Mirren, although that worked out for us, it's like, well, what's that for? <laughs> no one's claimed for anything. What are you stopping? What's happened in the box that we've missed? Um but um, but no, VAR didn't. Thankfully, was not a talking point. Uh, there were plenty of talking points today, but thankfully, um, that was not one of them. 
Yeah, thank, that will happen in the line, though. At 100% will. Well, no yeah. doubt about that. There'll be some decision that doesn't go away. That goes Celtic or Rangers way. They either the obvious stuff. 100%. They either the obvious stuff. Yeah. Um, but going back to Hearts, that 15, maybe say 20 minute period, say 15 after half time, where they just, I think in the first eight minutes after uh, half time, they had quadrupled the chances that they had in the first half. They just went full pelt. I mean, they, they basically just did what you could argue. I mean, okay, they've got one eye on the European tie, but they sensibly recognised that you need to have some form of midfield. So there's Cammy Devlin going in. And you also probably need to have some sort of link-up play. There's Liam Boyce. And Boyce was terrific um, for Hearts, I thought. And, you know, okay, he, he probably should have scored or at least tested Trevor Carson a little bit better towards the end of the game. But him coming on just transformed everything for me because he's he's just such a, you know, he's been around Scottish football for about a decade now. Did terrifically at County. He's had a really bad injury record at Hearts. He's been sort of in and out. But he and Shanklin together, they've got a really strong understanding. They complement each other really well. It's something that you could probably only really compare it for us to like Hemmings and Stewart. Um, and yeah, that to me, uh, just seeing those that opening barrage, I thought, oh God, if they score here, um, and particularly when Atkinson basically dived um, to uh, earn that free kick that Kingsley was standing over, I thought this is going in and the floodgates might open here. But thankfully, Trevor Carson, money well spent. Oh, yeah, I mean... Was it thirty-five year old spending money on the keeper? Um, there you go. He's yeah. paid back some of it there because that wasn't going in the top corner as much, but it was it was going in the underside of that bar, and he done fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, you give Hearts chances like that in them positions. They've got the people there. Kingsley, I think he did he no score a free kick like that against us in the championship yeah, in the first game of the season. Absolute ball, but it was a fantastic goal. I mean, they've, he's got that in his um, in his arsenal, and uh, thankfully we had a keeper in place that was able to deal with it. And there we go. I mean, some of the saves Carson made, uh, commanding the box. Uh, yeah. You mean we can? It was a whole team performance of getting this three points but again a big helping hand would have been himself and it's probably something that we haven't had in a good few years at Dens Park yeah I'm struggling to even think of who it was because even you're probably looking at maybe Scott Bain but even Bain would occasionally have a brain fart and do something daft um, so before that you're probably looking at Rab Douglas <laughs> to be honest <laughs> um, going that far back but no it, for me Carson was as you say it was a whole team performance you can't it's, you know, it's not fair to say it's because of this player, but I'm going to say it's because of Trevor Carson, because you saw that any time that Hearts came in, you know, the communication was there. Um, there were points where, you know, he was telling like defenders to leave it and he was coming and collecting it. You know, it's just that game intelligence that you only build up through experience. And uh, I think when he signed for a stalker, he said this, you know, this guy's going to win us points this season. And to my mind, we would have, it's not even so much about the Kingsley free kick. It's just everything else makes me think, well, I think we would have lost that game unfairly, but I think we would have lost it potentially with another keeper. And that's no slight at all um, on uh, McCracken, um, who's uh, sadly had to go back to Norwich because I thought he looked really, really good against Motherwell. And I would have been, if Trevor Carson was never going to happen, I'd have been really happy um, sticking with him um, as our number one choice. But yeah, um, you're seeing the benefit, not just of him, but also Joe Shaughnessy, the number of times that he just came in and just neatly 
tidied something up, just stepped up at the right moment and quietly dispatched the ball, got rid of it, no fuss, winning his headers, um, you know, just keeping everything marshaled. And it's, you know, if we're going to stay up this season, which I, I think we are, it'll be because we've got a tight defence. Um, I think um, Joel Sked of the the Terrace and uh, the Heralds uh, had a look at the number of goals we conceded in the Premiership the last five or six seasons we've been in the Premiership and it averages out actually guess how many goals on average we've conceded in our last five or six seasons in the Premiership over the course of a season over the course of a season oh mate 38 38 games it's got to be plus 70 it's well, close enough, 62 and a half goals 62. on average. So it's, uh, I think there's a couple of 70 seasons in there. Um, but, you know, that's an average of about a goal and a half a game. That we're oh, yeah. And okay, that's going to get skewed by getting thumped by Celtic and Rangers or whoever else. But it's, you know, if we have ambitions for Dundee to not only survive, but to survive well, um, and for us to just be sort of quite happily mid-table uh, the season, which I think we'd all take, then we've got to look at getting that down um, to maybe just over a goal a game, um, if that. Um, and I think that, you know, spending money on Trevor Carson and bringing in Joe Shaughnessy is just what we needed to do. Um, so uh, I'm more than happy having big Trev in the sticks. I, I mean, that's one thing about, you've gone on about the... The goals conceded, the average goals conceded. Uh, we've got somebody like Tony Dockett, his manager, who obviously Derek McInnes' assistant for many, many seasons. And we know that uh, Derek McInnes' teams, if they get a goal lead, they, like, you know what I mean? How many times did they go 1 0 up and win 1 0? You know, it's, yeah. it's never, yeah, they've, they've built themselves on a good defensive dis- uh, display. Uh, and we've seen that at days. I know we've conceded some goals already this season, but we're starting to see that moving it to the back four as well. And I mean, even look at when they were under pressure, and I think it was Vargas with the header and back off the line. Just wee things like that. I say wee things, it was a, it was a huge thing. He saved a seven goal. But we're just seeing the, the sturdiness in this team at the back. Yeah. Oh, and that was, um, I mean, you mentioned Owen Beck there. He had a brilliant game. That's easily his best game for us, uh, at least since pre season. Um, he just looked so unflapped. Unflapped? That's not a word, but I'm going to use it. He looked unflapped, Danny, um, by um, what he was coming up against, and he dealt with things really well. Uh, he wasn't getting isolated. He wasn't getting turned over dead easily. Um, and obviously, he made that uh, tremendous block as well. I mean, I see. Well, it was tremendous because it still saved a goal. He had to. You could see he had to like contort himself in midair to avoid like having to handball it away, um, and just about managed to uh, connect with his head instead. But um, I mean. To me, Vargas should have been planting on that either side. I think he was trying to be too clever uh, with his finish. Um, so, yeah, unlucky, mate. But no, um, he was terrific. And also, Cami Kerr was brilliant too. Um, but the thing about Cami Kerr is that, for me, his best games for Dundee are when we're playing a team that is, at least in a budgetary sense, above us. So a, a team that is qualifying for Europe, you know, whether that's Celtic, Rangers, Aberdeen, Hearts, Hibs. Put Cami Kerr in against that team at Dens, and he will give whoever he's up against no quarter. Um, you know, perhaps away from home against a, a team we should be beating. Sometimes there's issues there, but he is just, you know, he was just running all day. He's so athletic, so committed, um, you know, doesn't make any rash errors either, just gets the ball away. And I think that having the likes of Joe Shaughnessy next time will only help to, you know, sort of maintain that level. Um, 
as well. I think I think Josh Mulligan is a terrific player. I prefer playing him through the middle. So it's a choice for me between until Tyler French is back between um Cammy Kerr and Josh Mulligan. It's difficult, it would depend on who the opponent is, but I was I think some people were a bit surprised at Cammy Kerr being in there today, but I wasn't. It's this is the sort of game that's Taylor made for him. Yeah, I think it was maybe after half time, because I thought he was doing excellent, especially in the first half. And then after half time, when what play I can't remember what play it was. Um was it number 77 for Hearts? I can't remember. I was anyway, say Alex Lowry, but yes, that's who it is. Yes, that's yeah. that was it. And he did give Kami a horrid time for a period. And it's just like Kami just thought fuck this, and then started going in hard on him and, you know, there's no giving him any space because he got ripped apart a good few times uh, on his side. And uh, okay. I think after that, he just thought, that's it, and uh, no giving him any space. And he just started getting stuck in. It's, it's, yeah, I've, it was not a surprise to see him put in because we're going to a back four. Hmm. I think he plays better in the back four. So, yeah, there was a few people kind of, yeah, not, not too sure, but he, he put in a, a, an excellent display and um, and the whole defence worked out well. Um, but let's get to the Dundee goal, Gary, because if it ever happened, had to happen to a better goalkeeper than Xander Clark, because I think he has liked to get one up on the Dundee support a good few times through St Johnston days. So he's got the ball. It's a free kick. Plays it to their number 22, uh, uh He's or he plays it to 15, I think, then to 22, then all. He's put under pressure by uh, by Yoko, and he loses it. Look, McElwain's got it. He's, to me, he should have made the pass to Tiffany. That's what, at the time, thinking, pass the ball to Tiffany. He doesn't, he? I know, but he he, he takes a, a shot. It's a dip shot. It's over. Xander Clark running back, full stretch. He's made a total of meal of the whole thing. It's in the back of the net, but it's a brilliant goal from Luke McCowan. Oh, it was terrific. And I, we've not even touched on this. Luke McCowan shouldn't have been playing. <laughs> yes, right enough, because the lineups got put out. It was meant to be Mulligan yeah. instead of um, Luke McCowan. Yeah, so this was covered a little bit in the uh, in the post-match stuff. And obviously for any Dundee fan, for him to check on social media, thinking what on earth is going on um, before the game. So it should have been McCowan, but it was McCowan. No, sorry, it should have been Mulligan. But uh, McCowan was listed, um, and he was listed until after the deadline passed. The problem is that you cannot change the starting lineup unless it's due to injury. Um, now, uh, thankfully, no one had decided to like, take a baseball bat to Luke McCowan because why on earth would you do that? Um, so Alan Muir, uh, the referee, refused to let it happen, so it had to be McCowan. Fine, but thinking back, I really should have put my entire life savings on Luke McCarron scoring today because it was written in the stars that when that happens, when there's a will, they won't, they put a player starting that he's going to do that. But it was terrific. I think that, I mean, it's fine margins. If Clark had kept it out, if the chip had been misplaced or whatever, we'd all be going, oh, what was he thinking? Um, and should, have passed, should have passed it to Tiffany. That's what I'd be saying. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, instead of heralding the genius of it. But no, I mean, obviously he did it in uh, pre-season against Fleetwood Town. He's a player that's high on confidence. You know, he's always going to back himself as well. And as you say, it was just exquisite. And I think it needed something like that because Hearts was still pretty much on top at that point as well. Uh, we weren't really able to break out. I don't I don't like to be negative after we've won, but I do wonder about the back of Yoko and Robinson combination up top. I think that 
I could see us going to a position where it's almost more of a um just a, a, a straight four three three um where it's just one of them essentially is the target man because I think that that seems to suit them both a little bit better. Um it might be a bit too early to give up on the um on the combination. But I'm I'm yet to be convinced by it. And I want to be convinced because Bakayoko looked like uh, prime uh Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo against Inverness Cali and obviously Zach Robinson was unbelievable. Uh, for us last season in the championship when he mostly played that lone striker role. So I'd just be interested to see us try it, um, to try just dropping one of them. Um, and then that way we might be able to fit in, because uh, obviously Lyle Cameron had to come off the bench today, but we might be able to play him in, you know, sort of just in behind the striker or in a free role or whatever it might be. But um, but yeah, I think it needed a moment like that for us to take the initiative and, as I said at the very start, after that, I had no doubt we were going to win. Mm-hmm. Because Hearts just, you could see how furious they were uh, with themselves. And rightly so, because it's, if Dundee lost that goal, I would be spewing. I'd be absolutely furious. Uh, but because we uh, scored from it, I'm delighted. Yeah, uh, it, was a, it was a great goal. A, a, a great goal to win a match. Obviously, Hearts would try their best to get the equaliser. Uh, the play opened up near the end, Dundee. Uh, from chances, uh, Robinson, a header, point blank. Yeah. I mean, see when you see them, it's easier saying it like us, a couple of guys who probably haven't kicked the ball in, well, you know, like a few five sides in, in years. Could he have maybe headed it down or headed it left or right, but it's maybe the, just the, his position in and uh, the the... the the way the balls came in, the height of the ball, it was a great save from Clark. Um, but it would have been great if he scored that because I think he needs it as well. You mentioned yeah. Robinson and uh, Bakayoko. Uh, for me, it was probably the, the well, the first half at least, it was probably the best that they played together. But that petered out in the second half. It was kind of non-existent in the second half. They just, uh, I, I don't know, they, they seemed too compact together as well there was times where we were attacking or lining up for a, free, a throw in or a free kick and both of them were too close together it was like just yeah. kind of get one of the boys in the box if the other wants to stay out you know yeah, and that's, like that. the, that's the thing is that I, I think that they both want to do the same thing because I think they're both really good at the same thing um, but then because of that they may be getting each other's way and it's you know maybe over time they'll, they'll be able to work that out a little bit more and it could be the case that I know we'll come on to uh, preview the St. Johnson match a little bit, but um, you know, so far we've played three really good teams. You know, Motherwell are top or joint top at the moment. Um, you know, so they're playing really well. St. Mirren are uh, doing fantastically as well, and they've had a really good home record it's, for yeah. It's that's joint top. Yeah, it's them. Um, yeah. And yeah, obviously we've just played hard. So you know, we've played three sides who I think at the moment all of their fans or the fans of each side would be looking to finish top six. Um, you know, they'll be thinking, well, we should be finishing top six this season. And we've not played, you know, like County, St. Johnson and Livy, for me, are the three weakest sides in the league. And the Hibs are a bin fire at the moment, but they won't always be a bin fire. So maybe once they're playing a, a team that's less capable and competent, we'll see something happen there. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to rule it out just yet, but... Uh, but yeah, as you say, I, I think Robinson did as well as he could. I think there was maybe a little push on him, maybe, um, when he was uh, jogging for it. 
but for me, it was just a terrific instant save uh, from Xander Clark, and you can't you can't do anything about that. Yeah, at the end of the day, mate. But uh, if, if you scored, fantastic. You never but still won, and that's the main point. We're off the mark this season. We've been unlucky in the Motherwell game not to get the win. We're probably unlucky in the Sabin game not to come back and get a draw. So <clears throat> we've got the win. That's us up and running. We're actually sitting in sixth in the league. Um, the way the results went on uh, yesterday and today. So it's nice to see Dundee sitting in the top six. If you look at life scores, it's that little marker beside it saying, uh, I think European, potential European uh, space or something. So it's it's been it's been a while since we've uh, reached these uh, heady heights in the get league. The pass- get the passports looks out. Um, no, I, it was so important for us to get those three points today because it now means that we can go into that game against St. Johnson with a good bit of confidence. They've obviously come up off the back of uh, securing a 0-0 draw against a very disjointed looking Celtic side uh, at Parkhead as well. It means that, you know, it's not the case that then, you know, if they beat us, we're going to be bottom. Um, you know, which I think is a big thing psychologically. But also, if we go there and win, I think it really takes the pressure off for the Celtic game and we can actually just enjoy it a little bit. Uh, and then following that, we've obviously got Kelly and Hibbs. Um, and the big rumour at the moment is that Derek McInnes is uh, the the man that's wanted by uh, Hibbs to, to take on Lee Johnson's post now that Lee Johnson's been sacked. So the two of them might be in flux. Um, so let's just, let's just chart our way to the European... Uh, the European place right now, Danny. <laughs> yes, why not? So moving on, we actually made a few signings prior to the game, Gary. Two of them. Uh, the first one was Mosila. We signed him from Hartlepool United. And if anybody uses Twitter, or should I say X, uh, that's the new name, the, the quote tweets and the replies from the Hartlepool fans didn't really paint them in a good picture, did it? No, they're going to miss him, I think. Um, yeah, um, I mean, it can probably be summarised as them saying good riddance, um, not because he was a bad player, but because I think he had a couple of really good games for Hartlepool. Then I think he got dropped for a game, um, which he wasn't happy with. And then I think there was something about an automatic contract extension kicking in if he played a certain number of games. So he refused to play any more games for them, um, I think, because he, he thought he could uh, go on to bigger and better things, which he has. So, you know, of course, the man's a, yeah, Mystic Meg uh, himself, Mystic Mo. Um, so, but, yeah. Um, I don't think it helped either that that she got relegated. And no. When they could have really done with him. Even Jeff Stelling was on Twitter mentioning that. Uh, it's amazing. Um, but it also just shows the, the total lack of perspective when they think that um, playing in whatever godforsaken fifth or sixth tier of English football is, is better than playing in the top tier in Scotland. Um, so yeah, uh, Mr. Kamo, uh, he knows which side is bread's buttered uh, and he's made the right choice. Um, obviously he came on for a 15-20 minute cameo um, today against Hearts and I thought he looked brilliant. Um, but you're going to think that about a new sign that comes on doesn't make any mistakes, aren't you? Um, but no, I think he's probably going to add that sort of steel and aggression in the middle of the park. Uh, I can see he and Boateng making quite a good uh, combination. Um, although there's still rumours of a couple of other signings. I think after the game, Docker, he said that there was one or maybe two more to come in. Um, so that's quite exciting too. Um, but I, I think every fan's quite happy that we've 
we've done that because you could see that I think Docker is just not really sure what to do uh, alongside Porting at the moment. Um, so I think that's that can only be a good thing if he's if he's getting in men that he wants to get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the the thing with uh, Mo, I think uh, a lot of boys were saying as well that he hadn't been playing a preseason or he hadn't been training with the team. So there was that whole thing of seeing him in the lineup. I was thinking, this is boy not going to be like up to the pace, but he came on. He must have been uh, running around the streets of Hartlepool or whatever. Uh, getting whatever chased the by the fans. Getting yeah. chased up by the fans, yeah. Because <laughs> um, he did, he looked handy, six foot two, big fella, a few nice touches. Yeah. You just think, player like that, just came on. Like you've mentioned, good cameo. Uh, he can only go better, especially with some of them saying that he was the best player for them until the the, the refusing to play came into effect. Um, but it just seemed like from one controversial signing on the opposition's fans' part to another controversial signing that kind of landed on the Dundee's fans' part. So this one, this one doesn't bother me at all, to be honest, because. No. So the, the thing is, for anybody that maybe not and then doesn't know about that, which they probably do, Ricky Lamy signed a pre-contract with us back when we were absolutely shit in the Premiership. What was it, the James McPeak season when Mac McGee came yes. in? Yeah. Yes, and it, it was signed when McPeak was our manager, is mm-hmm. the other thing. Um, so I, I'm in the same boat as you, Danny, um, but I'll let, you, uh, I'll let you finish your thought. Yeah, so obviously that season we got absolutely humped out the league. Mark McGee was in charge uh, come the end of the season. Obviously, that never lasted long because he was uh, given the old heave ho out at the Dennis Park uh, front doors. But Motherwell went into Europe. So instead of signing through with Dundee, going down to the Championship, probably playing for a manager who might not want him, he decided to stay with Motherwell and play in Europe. And I think Europe only lasted two games for them or something, but it was more probably playing in the top flight for him. Uh, there's also clauses like that put in contracts like this all the time, and he chose to go with it as far yeah. as we know. So I have no hard feelings towards the player for doing that. A lot of people have, and you know, I respect everybody's opinions, but I'm not of the one to think, ah, oh, fuck him. You know, yeah. he didn't want to sign for us before. I'm, I'm not, not like it, but I'm not having to go to anybody that has that 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 sense, uh, a sight of what's happened here. I'm just like, no, nah, you know what? It's I can see why he he went that. Would you leave a job to go and play potentially for maybe there might be something in that pre-contract that would get relegated? He's on less money. Could be any factor there. The normal person on the street wouldn't do that. So why would he? I'm not against the signing. I'm happy with the signing. Uh, but we'll wait and see how that pans out because obviously the first wrong touch or first own goal or first, you know, time pass is going to be met with a course of booze from myself because I'm like that. I'm a fickle. Yeah. yeah, it's not like he's like Lee Mayer or Paul Dixon. Um, <laughs> or, you know, he's not a traitor. Um, uh, but no, the, bed, the, the um, spray painted bed sheets are on the out. Yeah. 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 Not yet anyway. Um, but no, I mean, for me, it's... The thing is, footballers have an incredibly short career, and Ricky Lamb is already in his late twenties, early thirties. So, for him, he's only got a couple of moves ahead of him. If you think about it that way, so that's only a couple of uh, moves that he can make, where the money, you know, 
where the money's going to be good and then who knows what he's got planned for uh, after he retires. So I never begrudge a player. Like, as you say, he probably got offered far better wages. Um, so from a financial point of view, because, you know, footballers aren't doing it for the love of the game, they're doing it to support their families. For Ricky Lamy, I mean, none of us are uh, obviously uh, privy to the actual sort of figures and negotiations and all that jazz, but you can imagine that a Motherwell side that's just qualified for Europe can probably offer him a much better contract than a Dundee side that's just gone down. And from a sporting point of view, obviously he'll want to continue to play at the highest level, but he'll also probably not want to move to a club when he signed the pre-contract agreement with us when McPake was manager. And we've just, uh, we've bombed him out. Mark McGee's come in and he's been bombed out. And who knows who we're going to appoint next. Um, you know, it's, you know, at that point, we would have looked like a right bin fire. And if you think about it from, if you imagine that, say he'd signed one uh, in January with Dundee United, um, you know, who would make that stupid decision? But who would then move to Dundee United? If they've been relegated, and it's very easy for us to look at it with our um, fans' glasses on. And, you know, fair enough, like, you know, fans can still, still have every right to think, well, if he didn't want to play for my club, why would I want them here? But then if you put yourself in their shoes, you would make exactly the same decision. Mm. Unless you're a Dundee fan already, but I don't think Ricky Lamy's a Dundee fan. So why would he make that decision? So, um, yeah, what bothers me is if he comes in and if he's stinking, then yeah, fine. Uh, I'll join that and I'll say, I never wanted him here in the first place. Um, but I, I think he'll be perfectly serviceable. Motherwell fans, he, he played over 100 games for them. He was their vice captain, I think the season before last, maybe. Um Motherwell fans lately have taken have been of the view that he's a bit hopeless, but he's you know he's left back cover. Um, he can play in a back three uh, as a left most centre back. So he's you know left foot centre half, which is what we needed. At some point, Aaron Donnelly's going to come back uh, from Nottingham Forest. Uh, Big Tony Doors and Antonio Bordales is going to be back from injury as well. Tyler French is going to be back um, relatively soon as well. So he's just one of a mix of players that's going to ensure that we've got cover at the back which is what we need cover and flexibility so I'm fine with it yeah cover flexibility and most importantly he's got experience because it's better than having um, some loanee from down south oh, yeah. who yeah there's nothing against it uh, Donnelly not in the force but you can't fill your whole team with players of their experience you need to have somebody with experience of this top flight and he's got plenty of it with Livy Motherwell so We'll see how he does. Let's see. You know, it looks like it's going to be covered just now. Let's see. You know, I'm not jumping on his back. So, yeah. Happy with the signings and adds more depth to Dundee's squad, which we've spoke about. We might be seeing one or more, one or two more coming in. So it's, um, it's not, it's, 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 an, it's a quite a feeling that we've no other a Dundee fan for a while of having all these, all this cover because there's times where we've been, supporting Dundee and two players get injured and you're like fucking hell man we've got no creativity we've got no good defenders no good strikers or you know we seem to be like well if he gets injured or this boy coming if he gets injured we've got this boy coming in it's fantastic yeah and it's it's also just a sign that we we're now looking to establish ourselves as a premiership side because that's really what premiership sides can be you know you don't want that hand, hand to mouth existence and as you say we've also already got a lot of young players on the way I think we've probably got one of the youngest squads in the premiership genuinely so yeah um you've got to get the right mix of age experience desire whatever it might be um and i think that uh tony dockery i think said 
or the talk seems to be it'll be one more centre mid and another forward option. And I think that's fine. That's what we need. We don't need another keeper. We've got cover across the back now. We've got plenty of wide options. Um, but I think, you know, obviously we've got Bakayoko, Robinson, Pineda and Rudden. I think something else in there is needed. I'm not sure what, but um, I'm sure there'll be someone sitting on Y Scout desperately pouring over um, potential signings. Um, and yeah, hopefully it's going to be an exciting 31st of August for us. Yeah, I think that's the quick maths. Thursday, I think. Is it a Thursday? Yes. yes so yeah. Thursday, it's going to, we might see a few more teaser uh, pictures put up by the, the social media team. I have a couple of players at least um, and, you know, don't know, potentially movement out. Can't see many players getting sold, maybe youngsters out on loan, to be honest. Yeah. French players that, if we get other players in, are pushed in further down the peck and all that, you might see them them go as well. But, you know what, we don't know. We don't know what will yeah. happen, but there'll definitely be movement. There'll definitely be something happening between now and Thursday. But it's all about next Saturday, Gary. It's a Fourth match in the league, and it's already huge. It's against St. Johnston. St. Johnston just came off an absolutely fantastic point at Celtic Park. Uh, a clean sheet as well, 0-0. Um, you've mentioned, um, I can't remember if it was prior to this or actually on the pod, but Celtic are looking a little bit disjointed. They've been put out of the cup by Cully, that then drew against St. Johnston. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that Johnson have they been really good themselves either. Um, it's the first point, first clean sheet. It's going to be a tough match, but it, it was really imperative that we actually got the win against Hearts going into this game to kind of give us a bit of breathing space because if we went in with no points from uh, Sunday, it's one of those where it could make or break your season. We've seen it early doors, 2015-16, we done United when they played us, mm-hmm. you know, it's just how fine margins go and how oh, yeah. early a season can dive. Gives us a bit of breathing space, but it's got that feel of for St. Johnson that we kind of like get the win here. Like it could kind of put them on a wee downward spiral as well. Oh yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at the squads, I mean, I don't feel sorry for Stephen McLean because I never feel sorry for anyone that's not, <laughs> that's not a related to Dundee football club. But uh, if I was a totally neutral observer, I would feel sorry for him. Um, I mean, he he came in either just before or uh, just after Tony Docker did. So he has had plenty of time to make signings. But because St. Johnson are in the midst of this potential takeover situation, there's clearly not a lot of money uh, left in the coffers. There's also clearly been a couple of years where they've not made the changes that they need to. They've not done what we've done this summer um, and just made wholesale strip everything out and rebuild again. Um, and that's essentially what he's had to do in the last week. Um, and if you have a look at this, the lineup that they had against Celtic, the only players from last season that were playing uh, or that started were Daniel Phillips, Graham Carey and Andy Considine. Other than that, and interestingly going back to what you were saying about you can't just have all young loanees, it's essentially all young loanees. Um, so they've got Derek Asello in from Burnley, uh, I think Luke Jeffcott's a permanent sign. I think he was at Plymouth Argyle, maybe. Jay Turner-Cook, I think, is on loan from Newcastle. Um, Sam McClelland, I think, has been signed, and he was in Chelsea's academy. And uh, Luke Robinson is on loan from... Oh, God, who knows? Who cares? Um, but he's on loan, anyway, at left-back. And the thing for me is, I I so strongly believe this is St. Johnson's season to go down. 
when it's your time, it's your time. You know when it's up. Um, and the number of changes they've had to make, the fact that they've had to go digging around in bargain buckets um, in the uh, sort of English academy uh, sides suggests to me that, yes, this team could obviously get themselves up for backs against the wall, just clearing everything out. You know, it's, it's not underestimating or um, underplaying the fact they managed to get a draw at Celtic Park. Um, but um, for me, I think it was a pretty heroic performance from Dimitar Mitov, who's, um, I think, the one to watch. He's the um, Bulgarian international goalkeeper. Um, and he seems to be a real bright spot for them. But I just, I think in games where they have to go toe-to-toe, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it well. Uh, I think this is a side that's maybe built to try and sort of squeeze things out, eke things out. But I think if they go behind, I've got no idea um, what they're going to do, where it's going, the inspiration is going to come from. Um, so I'm hoping we thump them, Danny, as I always do. Uh, and it's definitely because this is a massive derby game, you know, <laughs> a huge game. Well, we've not got any other derbies this season in the Premiership, so we may as well mark this one a derby fell off. Um, yeah, I, I think I've, I've not really looked, but it seems like we've no won at McDermott Park for a, a wee while. Um, yeah. Off the top of my head, I, I really can't remember. Um, almost and, Conrad scoring a goal and winning one nil rings a bell, but um, it goes way back. Yeah. It's it's always been a tough place to visit for Dundee recently. But you're right in what they say. It, it seemed like most interviews Steve McLean was given, uh, especially in the summer, it just seemed to be like they never had any players in sight. There wasn't any, we've got a few people we're going for and this is, we're just waiting back. It just seemed to be, oh, well, having to wait and have a look and stuff. And then the League Cup campaign began and his interviews just stayed the same. And eventually it just felt like they were just signing boys because they were made available to them not because yeah. they've been scouting them. That's that's the kind of general feeling I, I've been given from it. Yeah, it's To me, it is, it is that panic that we've seen Dundee do on so many oh, occasions. hundreds of times. Um, yeah, um, just say them, say the anyone. I don't care who it is. Um, but they, if you have a look at their squad, I mean, the fact that in the year of our Lord, 2023, Chris Kane is so considered a Premiership striker is mad to me. The guy's never hit double figures in like a dozen seasons for St. Johnson. Genuinely. I think the most he scored in one season for them is eight. And I think three or four of them came in the League Cup. Uh, Stevie May is just, he's, he was a terrific player. He had a horrific knee injury. He's not really been the same since. He's not going to do uh, great guns for them. There was a clip doing the rounds of Liam Gordon, uh, one of their centre halves, um, essentially repeatedly clipping the ball out of play when he was trying to find a teammate against Sterling Albion in the League Cup. They, uh, like, clearly Stephen McLean's uh, spoken quite a lot in the press. And he's He's gone as far as he can to say, I hate all these players. I want rid of all of them. I don't care who plays for us as long as it's not <laughs> these guys. But he's basically said that. Um, I mean, this is all just going to end up getting clipped and uh, put on the uh, Dogger Saints podcast, um, who um, I, I'm sure uh, don't really like Dundee. But it's... When I look at that St. John's team, it, it just gives me such minging vibes. It's just minging vibes of, you know, Dundee under McIntyre. Um, <laughs> Dundee any season we've gone down, really. They've they've not, as much as people look at St. John's and they say, oh, they're such a well-run club. They always live within their means, etc. They won a cup double. 
they were having crowds of, I think, certainly for the European ties, and they were looking at you know seven or eight thousand at McDermott. Following that, you know, they they had a real. This is probably the most successful period in St Johnson's history, particularly that double winning season. They have done things that any provincial team should be aiming to do in Scottish football that they would be proud to do. We would love it. Imagine if Dundee had a double winning season. You know, you cannot downplay it. But they got idle and they sat on it and they thought, that's it. We've done that. And they did not. And it's difficult to make that. I don't know how you even make that leap. And people talk about it with Hearts and Aberdeen all the time. You know, how do you go from being a team that is looking to just finish third every season to actually want to challenge? You know, can you even make that? It, it's essentially a financial leap. Can you make that financial leap? But the thing is, for me, St. Johnson never really seemed to capitalise on that. They never really seemed to try and like keep the fans that came to them. Um, and because of that, things have dwindled. Callum Davison obviously wasn't getting a tune out of the players the following season. Things just fell apart a little bit generally. And they now look in real serious trouble. Um, and now I've said all of that, it's nailed on that they're going to win 2-0. But I think for me, if we can get an early goal, I don't see how they come back from that because I think a lot of what they're based on at the moment is Stephen McLean's just trying to make it tough to beat. And then once he's made them tough to beat, he might then try and score a couple of goals, yeah. <laughs> um, essentially. Um, so that's really got to be our play is just, you know, don't do anything stupid. Keep pressing them. You know, just be competent and professional at the back. Um, in terms of a lineup, what would I go with? I don't know. If Sila's fit enough to start, give him a start. Why not? As I said earlier, although I'm tempted to maybe try out just playing one up top, I think you've, you know, give back Yoko and Robinson another go uh, as a two. Um, equally, we might be looking ahead to the following week against Celtic and thinking that we should maybe practice playing with one up top because uh, I can't see us um, going with two up top. There, so I'd, I'd probably keep it as similar because I can't think of anyone who really would quote unquote deserve to be dropped um, from today's game. Um, and yeah, hopefully just uh, easily trot out with the three points in the bag and breathe a little bit easier. Yeah, it would be a massive result. Uh, somebody said to me, uh, it's, it's like a, a six pointer, and it's only four games into the, the season, but uh, it could try well. That's what I mentioned before. At an early stage like this, results like this against people, I mean, St. Johnston will be looking at us thinking that's our nearest challengers uh, for relegation oh, yeah. as well. There's no doubt about it as we are looking at them in the same in the same light. Going forward, we're looking good. I'm, your, I'm the same as you. There won't be many changes, if any, I'd make for this game. Um, if there was, I'd keep it to a minimum. But we will have to go and get the first goal. I think as well, if we get the first goal, it would just be panic in St Johnston's team. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's only so many times they can count on Stevie May to, to drag them out the shit, to be honest. And yeah. he managed to do it last season for them in a couple of seasons. They've, they've not got, I think Murray Davison's retired. They can't, that's them. They've, they've stopped on calling on him. He's gone yeah. now. So and it's limited for them. Yeah. And getting rid of Wotherspoon was madness um, because why get rid of him? Um, he would still be perfectly serviceable as a Premiership player. Not great, but he's also uh, spoony, as they I like to call him. He was a Perth legend. Mm. You know, he was a, a double winner. Obviously, um, you know, gave him so many great memories. And it would be akin to if with Cami Kerr, 
we just didn't really do anything. He was just on a list of players not getting kept on for the next season. Everyone would be going, regardless of your opinion on whether or not Cami Kerr should stay at Dundee, everyone would go, that's no way to treat him. The guy's, you know, a, a Dundee fan, born and bred, has played for the club for over a decade now. And you're just announcing him as if he's like a loanee from Burnley that's going back at the end of the loan. You know, so that's another thing I think that just added to a bit of Ming and vibes um, for St Johnston fans over the summer was just the, the treatment of a club legend as well. Um, but as you say, I think if if we just score early, I think that that undoes all of the positivity um, from getting a draw against Celtic. And I actually think that was maybe the best thing that could happen because I think that in a way that will scramble their thinking of what they're going to do against us, which is a good thing. Um but obviously, as well as that, it's just such a massive derby, Danny. It's <laughs> it's so huge. Uh, I wake up in the morning cursing St. Johnson. Um, so. <laughs> I like how you keep emphasising the derby. About it, the, the derby oh, as, as a word, but. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. Uh, it does my head in. Um, they're just like the annoying wee brother going, it's a real derby. It's not a derby. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like... I, it really doesn't bother me as much, but I do enjoy seeing the arguments on Twitter. Oh, I know. But it's it's also people that do it, like so many St. Joseph fans do it, knowing that they'll get a rise oh, yeah. out of people. Um, so I'm hoping they're not listening to this because they'll then try and start getting a rise out of me. Um, but no, it's, it's not the derby, you know? <laughs> but but having said that, if we win, I'm absolutely calling it the Tayside derby and saying there's only one team in Tayside, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, a good a good derby win this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens if we win. It, it kind of propels the even further up the league. I would uh, obviously not can't we're chickens yet, but we're sitting on four points from a possible nine. Like three hard games we had there: one, a draw, and a defeat, and a lucky defeat, and then a lucky draw that could have been a win. So it's a wee bit of fine margin so far. But if we can get seven points from four games then we'll be thinking what a start this is before oh, we play yeah. Celtic and then we can just rubber that game and then continue again after that um, yeah. but it would be fantastic to have seven points uh, especially as being a newly promoted team um, though I feel that we have shown more than enough that we're going to hold our own in this league uh, from the performances the players signed the and the, 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 some of the like you know setups, especially against Harps I've just felt like that will couple of more results like this get steady the, the well not steady the ship it sounds like we're kind of swaying a wee bit but you know what I mean just kind of get the few of them results under the belt um, clear any doubts in the back of the head and uh, be looking forward to uh, a no bad season I feel oh yeah like I think looking back I think it is probably the fairest thing that we've won one drawn one lost one um, because it is, it's been such fine margins and we could be sitting on nine points right now but that would be a totally false position. Equally, we could be sitting on zero, and that would also be a false position. Um, but I think four is probably about right. Um, because you know, there's you know, we're gonna have ups and downs. Um, I think if you'd said to me at the start of the season, look, seven points from your first twelve, I'd have been like, brilliant, take that any day of the week. Um and I think that then if you also think about, you know, if you start to chunk it up, what we need from each round of fixtures, so every eleven games, we're probably looking at if we get 10 to 15 points in each of those rounds, then that should be enough that when it comes to the split, we're looking at, you know, being 
um, clear of trouble because uh, we're then between 30 and 45 points at that point. Probably more likely it will be close to the 15 right enough. Um, so if we're on seven points from the first four games, then yeah, we're a long way um, to, to safety, um, at least in terms of if we're able to keep that up yeah. over the course of the season. Okay. It's uh, still a lot of ifs and buts, but I, I feel there's good vibes. Um, I'm going to vibes in St. John's, and I've got good vibes here at Den. So long may it continue. Let's see us pick up a few a few wins along the way. Um, but we have started doing a new feature for the end. Well, we started in the, during the League Cup campaign. It's uh, just getting the fans to fire in questions, Gary. So I'm going to end the podcast with them. So they've been coming in uh, freaking fast tonight. Um, so I'll just start from the, the top. I've not read these. I've made a point of not actually reading them until I actually do the pod. So you get an authentic, not knowing what the fuck I'm on about answer. To be fair, so and I don't um, know either. Yeah, so they were put both of us on the spot, um, exposing us as the chumps that we are. Um, Mark Malloy with the first one: Is this the start of Finn Robertson's redemption? He had a fine game today. I would say Finn was possibly unlucky not to be in contention, or maybe mad at the match. I thought he was really good. Obviously, McCowan's goal. Uh, and obviously his play as well uh, would have snatched it away from him but I think his redemption started pre-season in the friendlies um, just kind of a different style of play looking like a different player that's what I find yeah. yeah I think it probably is the start of it I think that he was clearly or is clearly on his last chance which sounds really really harsh given his young age but you know he he was punted out on loan to Cove Last season, you know, he couldn't get into that side. But I think with Sean Byrne is clearly on his way out of Dens. Um, he is literally out of Dens at the moment. But, you know, um, this is the last year of his contract. So I can't see that getting renewed. Max Anderson seems to have fallen down the pecking order too. Um, so if Finlay Robertson is essentially the first choice off the bench or occasionally comes into games, that is a huge difference uh, from, from last season when he was essentially an unused bench player and occasionally came off the bench and as you say it's those different dynamics different uh, types of play I think he is probably better suited to the Premiership than the Championship I think there's mm-hmm. quite a few players that, that fit that bracket as well um, and I think it is just similar but different to Craig White and I think it's working out his position and what he does and nailing it down because uh, I think that was probably what um, what did it for White and, uh, at Dens uh, really was you know is he you know, is he a winger? Is he a false nine? Is he a number 10? Is he a lone striker? Does he play in the two? And he he was clearly an incredibly gifted footballer, but just not in any one particular position. And I think that's almost the, the most cursed position to be in if you're clearly technically excellent, but there's you just don't quite fit in any particular system. Um, so hopefully uh, Finley Robertson can work that out. Yeah. That's a good one. So, Luke Newman. Uh, there's a couple here that kind of tie in with it. Um, a couple of questions like this, like Aaron Campbell, he kind of asks one similar. So, who should leave on loan or permanent and what positions do we need to strengthen? So, I think we've kind of talked on expecting a midfielder and a striker and so, and we're finding defence and goalkeeper. So, I think that sets itself. So, a loan or permanent deal. I can't see anybody going on a permanent. I can see a couple of loans. You brought Max Anderson there. He is way down the pecking order. 
probably alone this season might do him the world to good. Yeah. Um, if we bring another striker, can we maybe see Rodden going out on loan? I know yeah. he was ahead of Pineda on the bench today, but I believe he picked up a knock. So for me, if anybody's going out on loan, it's going to be them two players there. Yeah. I think the other potential player that could go out on loan would be Charlie Riley, uh, who's just come back. Um, he was on the, the bench, I think, for the first time uh, from injury. And that's not me saying... I don't think he's good enough because I've never even seen him play for Dundee. It's more just a case of saying if he's not going to get game time with us, then it makes sense uh, to send him out. And I reckon he could go to a championship side mm-hmm. and tear it up there. Uh, and that would be a very good fit for him, I think. Even sending him out to our growth, because it's just up the road. Um, just do it. Um, would be uh, really exciting to see because he's young. I'm delighted that he signed for Dundee because uh, I think he's got bags of potential. He played in an Albion Rover side that was done last season and still chalked up I think something like 85% of their goals were either scored or set up by him a unbelievable talent uh, so I really 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 want to see him play for Dundee but equally yeah. I, I'd be happy if say if we did bring in another former player I'd be happy enough for Charlie uh, to, mm-hmm. to go out on loan because then it's quite exciting to see him out on loan uh, other than that I think I'd just like to see a lot of the young team like a lot of the B team uh, go out on loan, so I think already Ewan Mutali is at Forfar, Marley Sweeney Rowe is at Steny. So I'd be I'd just like to see the likes of you know uh, Callum Lamb, and uh, purely because he's a name that I can remember uh, from the B team. Um, I'd like to see you know other players going out to League One, League Two, because or even to Brecon in the Highland League, just to get that game time um, in a in a sort of a proper league setting, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's. It, to me, it's it's more than worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try and fire through this because we've only got so many minutes left um, before we have to go. So, uh, Martin Tosh, this is one that I specifically never looked at because he mentioned it to me at the game. Is this the first time you've seen an offside taken in our own half? Did you see that in the second half, I think? Uh, Dundee got an offside against them. And by the time the ref had placed the ball, he had the ball in the Dundee half. Yeah. I think that is technically within the rules now. Well, that's weird. That's just made look, it's, look like fools. <laughs> no, no. It, it, but it's a weird thing. But I think it, it can technically happen. But I could be wrong. Um, but there's a weird... Because I, I think someone else picked up on it. Um, that I saw and someone else came back and said that is actually within the room, but I, I don't have a clue. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll download the iFab app and look it up. Um, <laughs> but definitely the first time I've seen it and definitely weird, but I think I think it might have been a thing. But let's mm. just blame Alan Muir anyway because he was rubbish. Ah, he was, he was awful. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to flick through some questions that we don't need answers to because it is Luke McEwen. Uh, it's full of Luke McEwen. So um, if you were let, to let a current Dundee player fire in about your missus, why is it Luke McEwen? Um, what's the other one? There's a good few. Does Luke McEwen only score rakers? Uh, where's it again? Will Luke McEwen have a, leave a better legacy than Greg Stewart? Mm. He's a long way off from that one, I think. Um, how much is Luke McEwen worth? But there's a few good ones. What airline shall uh, you be booking your tickets on a European tour next season? Um, well, there's another one as well. What country will first Champions League game be in? That's a good one, actually. 
It's good that we're not getting ahead of ourselves. Exactly. That's the main thing. Um, no, Luke McCarron's terrific. And I think he he could be our first sellable asset in a long time. I don't want to sell him. Um, but I, I think it, it wouldn't surprise me if bigger clubs aren't long and going sniffing about him. Mm-hmm. We yeah. have to protect them at all costs. We should. We should. We should shield them. Uh, this is a really good one. Sorry, I've no because I normally try and read everybody's and say their names, but um, we kind of run out. But this is one one uh, from uh, Michael Donnelly. With this great start, should the focus only be on the league and finishing in as high as possible, or does this squad reasonably now have enough depth for a Scottish Cup run too? I think we've got depth for possibly a run, but I do believe that it should all be about focus on the league this season and staying up and then you build on that. Let's just think, stay in the league. Let's make ourselves a premiership team set in stone. Yeah. None of this one season, wonder them back down again. If we do that, then we can look at that maybe next season. I mean, for me, with the Scottish Cup, it, it's so dependent on who you get because we could have a, a terrific squad, but if we get Celtic or Rangers away, that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, what we need to do is we need to be getting like, yeah, uh, Stenhouse Muir, then Peterhead, then Spartans, you know, somehow get Spartans in the quarterfinal. Um, for me, if we can just make it to Hamden, that's all. I don't even want us, I do want us to win the cup, but I'm not even saying it has to be us winning the cup. I just want to go to Hamden, Danny, for something other than Bruce Springsteen concert. That's all I ask. You've got a wee day out. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Have my day out, go home in tears, but just let me go there. Happy. For once, <laughs> all I ask. <laughs> oh, you never know, mate. Well, I've been saying it for years, and it's never happened. So it's probably your answer right there. Yeah, yeah, precisely. But um, mate, that's all the time we've got for this week. Thank you very much for coming in and stepping in for Paul. Um, I know that he was enjoying his beverages today, and um, also if, if, I'm not too sure if he was going to the Eddie Allen event. So uh, also it was the event for Eddie Allen night, the fundraiser. Uh, all proceeds going to him. Uh, lots of guests were there, and I've seen a couple of photos, and it looks like a, a really good crowd have turned up, and hopefully a lot of money was raised for him. Obviously, what's happening is absolutely heartbreaking uh, for him, so hopefully just being around old teammates, talking about old times, uh, just to bring some happiness to him, um, and also his friends and family who have attended. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Gary, thanks, mate, for coming on. Thanks for coming away from the Celebrity Aladdin Terrace headquarters, you know, TV stars, podcast stars. It's good to see you come back doing a mingle with the wee folk that, that probably made you. Well, I, what can I say? Uh, all I need to do now is uh, go go back into that WhatsApp group and just absolutely hammer the Hearts fans who uh, are still, uh, the last time I checked, uh, seemingly not getting any signal. It's a terrible thing. You go on and give them hell, mate. Give them hell. Absolutely. <laughs> but thanks again, Gary. Really appreciate it. And we'll be back next week to hopefully be speaking about uh, when in the not-so-derby game against St. Johnston. 